You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 315 and 316 of Fed by Ravens. At this point, you should be aware, we're talking through the Bible in its entirety in a year. Yeah, we are. So take your time and listen to it. Take as long as you need to listen to to it, but... um, we are trying to finish by 2019. So here we go. Where are we today, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 45 through chapter 23. So set me up here again, Matt. We left off with Ezekiel having given bad news to the elders who suddenly want to inquire of the Lord while in exile. Um, but not really coming that honestly. They don't really want to know what the Lord thinks. They want to make sure they're okay. Yeah, they're yeah. It's just out of manipulation. And so chapter 20 kind of finishes Israel's continuing rebellion. It's almost like a again, there's kind of it goes in and out of like a a court case almost where Ezekiel mm-hmm. becomes the uh, accusing prophet or the accusing attorney. Um so it ends that the word of the Lord is you know, I want, the word of God is, I want all flesh to see that I'm the Lord. Yes. And it ends with Ezekiel going, man, they're calling me a maker of parables. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yes. Because uh, they hate him. And mm-hmm. they're like, now you're speaking to us in parables. Mm-hmm. But has anyone ever connected, like, the use of parables of Jesus? Right. To Ezekiel? Ezekiel. Who's called the son of man constantly. Right. Son of man, and he's using parables. Why? Because they're in captivity, and they're still not even recognizing it. And so now he starts to speak, and maybe you'll hear kind of hidden, veiled language. You have not responded to the straight-up language of, I'm upset with you. What? So now now I'll start using allegories, and I'll start coding the language, and maybe then you'll get it. Or sarcasm. Maybe that'll get through. And it'll be shocking in some ways, or, or... or maybe it's just like I'm I'm cuz we always think of Jesus using parables to veil it like those who have ears mm-hmm. let him hear but really it's like he's using parables because let me tell you a story almost like how uh Nathan works yeah. with David right like and that worked on David because David yeah if you just said dude that was wrong what you did with Bathsheba mm-hmm. he might not have heard it like mm-hmm. whatever but he tells a story he relates to the character in the story he's like oh man that's me that's right David you are the man so Jesus is doing the same thing in parables, like, see yourself in this story, people. Right. And Ezekiel is doing it before Christ, mm-hmm. which uh, is just something cool to know, because I think it'll help us as we look at Jesus and as we read books like Revelation mm-hmm. to remember what Ezekiel is doing here right. in captivity. So anyway, it, um, I just like that. But the real meat of today is the Lord is drawing a sword. Yes. Not good. And this sword is, it's like flashes like lightning. It's being sharpened. Mm-hmm. It's being put in the hand of the slayer. And I feel like twenty-one, chapter 21, 22, 23, it is almost like, here's literally what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send the slayer with the sword. My face is turned against you. Then it's like, here's kind of the court case. Mm-hmm. And then there's a huge allegory. Right. And it's all saying uh, same thing from different angles. Right. So yeah. the first thing it's saying is um, 
I'm using Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. They're going to slay you with the sword that God has unsheathed. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because so, so the example is I was using a rod just to like discipline you or like yeah. a shepherd would use to guide a sheep, right. but you've ignored the rod. The rod's not working anymore. Mm-hmm. So now I'm replacing the rod and I'm using a sword. Mm-hmm. And now there's just going to be judgment. Yeah, it's going to be bad. And, you know, and the, the funny thing is that people felt safe in chapter 21. Uh, Judah felt safe because Nebuchadnezzar used occult practices, right? There's like three. Yeah, that was fascinating. There's three things that. that like Babylon would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was it's kind of this um, choosing an arrow out of your quiver mm-hmm. thing. To, and, and again, you have to know if you're a leader back throughout history, you would make your plans, but then you would consult your geographic gods. Mm-hmm. You want to know if there's good luck, and you want to know if they're with you or not. That's just in the heart of man, is to ask a created thing to give its blessing. It's very interesting. Right. So there's that one. The most famous one is like the omen of looking at livers. Yes. Right? So, yeah. um, and this happened in Greece. This happened everywhere. So you look at the livers of an animal, mm-hmm. and depending on the way, kind of like reading a palm. Yes. It's like early palm readers, Mm -hmm. um, it would tell you to go into war or not go into war to the point where they, they have archaeologists, archaeologists have found like casts of these livers in clay. Yep. So interesting. Yeah. So. And then the other one was, there was another. Oh, it was the teraphim. It was, they would consult a little statue. I, I imagine it would be like the, um, what Israel had for a while, which was the, um, um, I can never remember the Thuman. Oh, the Uman and the Thuman. Yeah, yeah. Urim and Thuman. Thum- something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and so where they would cast them and get yes or no answers, and so right. what they would do, what Nebuchadnezzar would do, is he would consult all three of these things: the arrows, the teraphim, and the liver divination, and wanted to get a favorable result from all three. Right. And once all three said, uh, "Oh, we want to go to war." and they all said yes, then he would actually act. And so because he's using these practices, Jerusalem is going, oh, he's using false divination. They're not going to work. But the Lord's going, um, I'm going to make them work. Right. Then this is the confusion. Like if you're, <laughs> if you're not plugged into a relationship with God and you're just going out of pure legalism, like you mm-hmm. said this and you mm-hmm. can't do this because you said that, then this, it, this scene is confusing. Mm-hmm. What? So God's blessing these occult practices? No. You're no. missing the relationship. He's made clear, I want your heart, and now I'm bringing in a, a disciplinary rod. We've talked about this. Nebuchadnezzar. And so, yeah, he's going to do it his way, and it's gross. Right. But his gross way is actually better than what you're doing to me and my temple. And then did you notice? He well, keeps saying at the end, he lists all the things, and then yeah. he's like, and my Sabbath, you guys. I know. The Sabbath, now, this time reading it through, is like, it's way more heartfelt. Like, yeah. It's almost like if you um, you were in a fight and uh-huh. then, okay, I get it. You broke my jaw and you took back the thing I stole from you. But then you had to, like, kill my dog. Right. Like, why did you hurt Lacey? Right. And it's almost like, but then you guys couldn't even enjoy the Sabbath. Like, <laughs> that was the nicest gift I've given to you. A day off. Right. To just worship and eat and smell like pot roast. Why did you guys profane that? Like, why did you have to kick our dogs? Yeah. Anyway. No, so uh, the other thing that was occurring to me is 
so the thing that they've always wanted, the, the thing they've always gone after, which is like idolatrous practices, right. uh, he's now using against them. Is yes. the is yes. the twist of irony? That's it. That's it. Oh, so you guys will divine and use all of these things too, mm-hmm. um, but because Nebuchadnezzar's using them, you're like, oh, they're not going to work. But you want them to work for yourselves, right. so you know what? I'm going to use these things against you. Well, and that's a theme, a biblical theme, where it's like, fine, I'll turn you over to the things you want if yeah. you're so obstinate, but you don't realize that I'm protecting you because everything you want is death. death. They'll kill you. So it did raise a question for me, you know. I don't know if people, I don't know. I don't know if we ask it very often, but it's like, in any relationship, there's points where you need to go, hey, Matt, are you mad at me? <laughs> like, if you're sensing that. And it's like, the people of God historically, he just nodded, yes, we'll talk later. <laughs> um, but it is like, do we ever ask, or do the people of God say, God, are you, are you upset? Or we just assume that because he's God, he's going to be happy with everything we do. Right. I don't know. Or just he's always going to be angry and nothing's going to be good enough. Right. That's what I'm trying to think. I think like sometimes, yeah, you have to figure out which side you're on. And uh, it's like law and gospel. So if you're feeling like God is always mad at you, you need to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like God's always happy with you and like, oh, well, ha ha. You need to hear the law. And so I feel like the people of God here need to ask the question, like, God, are you mad? And God's like, yes. Mm-hmm. And as he, you know, you think about what it, when you're mad, what's the one thing you want? Like, I can't imagine you getting truly mad. I do rarely. But when I do, I just know the one thing I want is to be heard. Mm-hmm. So yes. like when my kids infuriate me and they make excuses, all I want them to know is when you spill something, clean it up. But mm-hmm. the, their behavior is letting me know they aren't really learning. They're just, and so I get mad, and I want them to repeat back to me, I will pick up what I drop. You know what I mean? And right. so I feel like that's the kind of anger where God is over and over saying, please, hear me. Hear my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, 21 does end with him ending, like, there's always an end yeah. to the destruction or end to his punishment and his wrath and it ends with him um resheathing this the sword yeah and being like there will like i'll put it away i'll put it away like it's not it's to your utter destruction so then 22 it, it's more of a prosecuting attorney ezekiel and he goes I, I just like this line in verse six where all your leaders are bent on shedding blood mm. So he's talking about how you shed the blood of the innocent, you make idols, you bring reproach and mockery to God. Like basically you're misrepresenting everything God has set out for you to be the kind of people. You're doing the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, 22 is a very literal like, Yeah. let me list all the things that you've done against God. So, you want a clear description? Here's another clear description that you guys aren't going to hear. Which is funny when your heart is hard and not mm-hmm. listening to somebody. They tell you exactly what the problem is, and then they see you're not getting it, so then they give you a story. Okay, it's like this. Imagine Mm -hmm. this. And then when you're not listening, all you can remember is, all they do is tell me stories. I don't get it. (laughs) Um, But the truth has been clearly stated. So he states it in 22, and the the reality is uh, God is gravely disappointed with the priests who have broken down all distinctions between what's holy and common, clean and unclean. They've disregarded the Sabbath. The prophets are bad. And uh, there's a great little verse here in verse 30. 
Who will build the wall? Again, if politicians and people involved in politics read the Bible, oh, they'd be so much more dangerous than they already are. Because you can literally find a verse for it. It's but, um, but there's this idea of the breach of syncretism and all mm-hmm. these things, and that there is a wall around God's people to keep out death and evil. Um, but anyway, it's, it has nothing to do with the political thing of today. It's, it's actually about Israel and God protecting and blessing them, and that was not happening. So God is not happy. And he's upset, mm. and he's allowed to be. Yes, because they've totally forgotten their Lord, and um, and that's what on a small scale we do when we sin or we're stuck in cycles of sin. God is upset that we're stuck in cycles of sin because he wants us to be healthy and happy, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the biggest thing that upset is upsetting is the biggest thing that would upset you and me is that if all of a sudden you ignored me and you forgot me. And forgot yeah. it. I'd be like, Matt, what's up? Talk to me. Nope. And um, yeah. And that's what Judah's done. Yes. And so as a result, you know, after 400, 800 years, it's like, okay, your wish, you, I'll give you your wish. Yeah. I'll turn my face away from you. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the <clears throat> allegory. So he's given the straight up truth. He gave him a nice sword picture in 21. He gave him the straight up truth in 22. And now he gives an allegory about the people of God. Yeah. Having two daughters, yes. the two daughters, and he clearly identifies what it all means. Yes. So Ohala and Ohaliba. Yeah. One is the north, mm-hmm. Samaria. One is the uh, the south, Judah. Mm-hmm. It's like so. It just means her tent, and then my tent, tent is, is in, in her. her. Yeah. And uh, this allegory is so sad. Yeah, and like some of the most shocking and crude language is used in this and as I was reading it I was thinking like when someone's not listening it's you use shocking language to wake and, them up yes, and yes I, I do this and you all of a sudden like you either snap and just you shout something at them and, right, like, or or you just say or you you're you're talking to someone and they're clearly not hearing you or listening, and then you just say something really crazy or crude or crass just to get them like, what? Yeah. What did you just say? I mean, like, the word <clears throat> sex almost always works. Yes. And, uh, or sex, puberty. What? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> or I, I coach soccer for high school, and you just say pornography. Mm-hmm. And they all go, what? Huh? What? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was just saying everyone mark a man on a corner kick. Pornography. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and that's, that's what is here. You know, you know, I've heard people, very few people have done this. There was a podcast we listened to where this guy was an atheist, and he found one of the verses from Ezekiel oh, 23. Yeah. To His point was that Christians don't even know what's in the Bible. Bible yeah. Okay, well, yes, of course. <laughs> but you don't know what you're reading either, right, bro. And right. so he read these verses about the grossest, I mean, it's the most, um, I don't know, it's just... It's very sexually explicit. It's explicit language to describe the adultery, the spiritual adultery mm-hmm. of Judah and Samaria, of mm-hmm. uh, Israel. Israel, the people of God. And so he uses um, adulterous uh, prostitution language and about an insatiable lust mm-hmm. to go after not only. And so what, what I kind of think is, if you can say something's cool about this allegory, is that for Ezekiel and for God, 
the spiritual and the physical wrap up in each other. Yes. So like the physical actually followed the spiritual adul- mm-hmm. adultery follows and the physical kind of shows how abusive and destructive and gross it reflects the reality of that grossness in the spiritual idolatry. Yeah. Um, but it's all to say, uh, it's all to say, here's the consequences of your idolatry is that now you've been abused <clears throat> and now you're going to be murdered by the people who already used you mm-hmm. and you hoard after. Yes. Um, I had a new thought. What's your new thought? It's so interesting. Think about this. So I keep going back to the significance of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Yes. Where he writes in the sand. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah so I was thinking, oh, yesterday, the other day I said, maybe he wrote the prophet's name. Uh-huh. Now I know. I, every day I know. <laughs> I, you know what he wrote. So they're going, Stone, what should we do with this woman caught in adultery? Yeah. And so you know Jesus wrote Ohala and Ohaliba in the yeah. sand because they would see that and that's that's Samaria and Judah baby Jerusalem that's like both of them and they're, yeah. they if they know the writings of Ezekiel which I think they did yes they'd be like oh yeah God didn't like totally stone us he was saying he was going to but he didn't so now you're going to stone this woman that you set up and caught in adultery yeah. when you yourselves anyway it's the same point I was saying mm-hmm. but I like if you drop this if it ever comes up in a Bible study yes I'm just telling all you out there listening. And they talk about the woman caught in adultery, and it's like people start to go, I think they wrote the sins of the, the Pharisees, yeah. and Jesus was writing their sins. First of all, I don't think Jesus has all that information. And second of all, it's not that hard to write the sins of people. Again, no. pornography. <laughs> um, Jesus is even more clever. Yeah. If you have this answer in a Bible study, people will think you're a genius. You're like, well, and here's how you do it. Well, I just, it, it really... Reminds me of Ezekiel chapter 23 and the allegory there of the two sisters, which are all of Israel. Mm-hmm. And I think he wrote Ohala and Ohaliba in the sand. And then you explain it a little bit, you know. They would recognize because upholding the law of Moses makes you the people of God who uh-huh. deserve to be stoned as an adulterous nation. Yes. Boom! You would be, I don't know what it would buy you. People would just think that you know the Bible. And the truth is, if you're listening to this and you're on day 316 with us, you do know the Bible. You have a good shot at knowing the Bible. And it will not return void. All right. God does not stone his people. He has mercy in the end. That's why we're here. And that's the other thing. It's always for the nations around. Mm -hmm. He has has, uh, grace for his name's sake. All right, moving on. Our New Testament reading for today is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, through chapter 11, verse 16. Big themes in Hebrews today. Chapter uh, 10. I don't know. Did you find the big themes? Gotta have faith. Oh. <laughs> Baby! You okay. Gotta have faith, faith, faith. Ooh, faith, faith. Baby! But no, that's good. And we don't want to take too much time covering songs. <laughs> oh, chapter 10, we start in verse uh, 19. 19. The full, okay, so here's the words that jump out to me. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about full assurance. Right. So we have confidence to enter the holy place. And mm-hmm. pretty much you just need to read this whole thing. It's so beautiful. It is. But full confidence. Why? Because the curtain that separates us from God 
according to Hebrews, is the flesh of Jesus. Right. Like, the flesh of Jesus is the curtain. And so his flesh is offered for us. We're covered in his blood now. Mm-hmm. So the curtain, and the curtain is, is torn. And it's, it's right here. But he's yeah. the, yeah, it was torn for us. We walk through the curtain mm-hmm. that would separate us. Then Jesus is the great high priest over the house of God. So like this is our, so your confidence should be always in Jesus. And the confidence is that he offers you uh, full access to the throne of God. I was thinking today like, uh, with all the face language, like God's face turning mm-hmm. towards people in Ezekiel. Right. And then the, the blessing of may the Lord bless you and keep you, may his face turn toward you and mm-hmm. give you grace and peace. I just think like the gospel is that um, there's peace between God and man now. And that in when we come in through by faith through Jesus, we get access to God's face. Mm-hmm. And he looks at us and he says, I love you. And then Jesus, the great high priest, he's over the house of God. So, like, this is our confidence to go before God. So, therefore, it's like draw near. So, the rest of this is all about, like, draw near, hold fast. He who promised is faithful. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that before I get to the the stirring part. Uh, Like, you start to see the, um, the order... Before mm-hmm. you even get to church, like he's going to talk about right. church, right? But it's like there's full confidence. That's basic. So, so therefore, draw near, hold fast, mm-hmm. and now here's what that's going to produce. Yeah, and I do think like the work of Christ uh, to cleanse us and to restore a relationship between us and God, the whole way we receive it and come by it and hold on to it is through faith. Like it just takes an incredible amount of faith Mm -hmm. that is activated through the Holy Spirit for us to even believe that we can enter. Like once we understand like our own sin and our own brokenness, like it takes an incredible amount of faith for us to go, I'm going to approach God now and not, and actually expect him to hear me. Yes. So we hold fast our confession of our hope with, without wavering, for mm-hmm. he who promised is faithful. But here's what, that, here's what the people of faith live like. I think uh, in our day and age, we think, oh, you have faith. It's like this personal thing. And so faith, right. just, faith just means you're going to be saved one day. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. That is uh, a minor part of it. That's like, mm-hmm. that's, that is a part of it, but that's not the, the main part of it is you get to engage life now mm-hmm. the way it was created to be engaged. And so your faith brings you into the presence of God, but also uh, the life that God, only the God of life has for you. And it's so... A, I would yeah. say it's a, it, ha, it has to be a relationship. Yes. It's an active, ongoing relationship. And I think I've always, in the past, I've, I would always tend to boil it down to like oh am I living for God am I doing like the right things and I boil it down to what I can can't do and then instead though it's oh am I just am I relating to God am I trusting him am I coming to him with my mistakes and my failures and going help me with this help me learn help me live I want to trust that you are going to save and provide for me it is like uh, almost a will, right? Mm-hmm. If you think, oh, I'm in my daddy's will and I can do whatever I want, who cares? I can't wait for his money. Right. That's kind of the mentality we have when faith is just about being saved. But mm-hmm. the reality is, 
it's God says, yeah, you're in my will, mm-hmm. but my inheritance has begun now. Right. You can start accessing it now. Yeah, the, the account's open. Mm-hmm. And, and here's what, how you access the account. See, faith does not mean you're on your own, because look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another yeah. to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he's saying, because you have this confidence, because mm-hmm. you have this draw fast, how do you draw fast? As a people of faith, it's you gather together around the word to be called back to your faith, to hear the voices of others who have this faith. Right. It's the opposite of being drawn away and being like, I'm good. It's mm-hmm. actually going to create in you a need to live like the way you were created to live, which was in community, gathered around the word of God, being productively creating together in community. Um, it's all that. And so if the, if the instinct in you is to draw away from gathering, just hear it here first. That's a wrong instinct. That's not <laughs> yeah. a product of faith. That's a product of fear. Yeah, that's a product of sin. Sin is always trying to isolate us. And people, you always talk to people who start neglecting to meet, mm-hmm. and they are at its core, they're fearing, no one likes me there. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't want to miss out on going to, uh, missing out on boat day with my other friends. I don't want to miss out, yeah. like me, I don't want to miss out on soccer. Oh. They play soccer on Sundays. I just miss soccer because I'm a person of faith, and well, it's more important. And then sometimes I hear, like, well, my faith is just between me and God, and actually I'm better off on my own anyways. Right. Those are lies. And those are whole lies. I've seen, I've never seen anyone who's isolated themselves from church grow spiritually. No. They come back, uh, at best, they are stuck in their stupid cycle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at <laughs> best, they just stop where they're at. They're stunted, at best. I've never, I hardly ever see people stunted too. They usually regress. Yeah. The same way, if you're a person who wants to uh, heal from a wound, a broken leg or something, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to go to therapy, right. you do not neglect going to therapy right. to get hold. Like, it's the same, it's yeah. all seeds in the earth that grow a certain way. And so, to me, what, what the author is saying is that um, hold fast, don't throw, and literally he says, don't throw away the confidence you have, because this life of faith now, mm-hmm. we're the closest to hell we'll ever be. Right. So, because we're so close to hell, we are uh, drawn together and given endurance. And mm-hmm. that endurance is built up through being together, speaking the word of God, receiving the Lord's Supper, receiving and watching the baptisms of his people. And like this then produces good works and the love that we all try to say mm-hmm. we want to be a part of. Right. But no one finds the energy to actually be a part of helping anyone. No. And uh, ironically, it's all the people who make a big noise on social media are the ones like, prayer doesn't work, when all they're doing is praying to social media and doing nothing. Yes. Um, Okay. So uh, he goes on to say, uh, what you find out from the author is the reason... Oh, it gets kind of dark in 26. He gives a stern warning. Yeah. That if you go on sinning deliberately, so don't neglect meeting, Mm -hmm. but here's why you need to keep meeting, because at church, the word of God will confront you on things maybe you aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. It'll confront you on things that are, maybe you have gangrene, Mm -hmm. and you just don't see it. It's like a checkup. It's like saving you, but if you go on sinning deliberately after receiving this truth, and he said this before, Mm -hmm. essentially he's saying, how much worse, well he does say, how much worse the punishment do you think? If you've spurned the Son of God after knowing Him. Right. 
So this is the opposite of I'm okay, mm-hmm. I believed once. Right. The author here is saying it's not enough to have an experience and trust in that experience and then live like hell. Right. That's not enough. Mm-mm. And you should not be assured in that. Mm-mm. In fact, the opposite. You should be scared. And um, the re- it's a relationship, which means it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we rely on our confession of faith. We say, God, I believe in you. But you know what? You can say, Jesus, I trust in you. You can say that every day. And I would highly recommend it. Not for fear, but out of faith. Yeah, out of faith. And, I mean, this idea is definitely, we see this idea playing out in the Old Testament as well. The people of God did not maintain a relationship, and the Lord almost destroyed them. He punished them several times. I mean, he says it here, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of of the living living God. God. Why is it fearful? Because we're pursuing isolation, death, Mm -hmm. and accusation. Right. Okay, but, again, the author of Hebrews says, I know you guys are different. Right. Here's why he's even saying this, and you should be aware he's talking to a specific group of people who are being persecuted. Yeah, who are being tempted to fall back on their heritage of Judaism. And so he's saying, look, don't throw away your confidence. There's a great reward. So he's encouraging them, like, I know it looks bad, but let's look at our Savior. Mm-hmm. Our Savior walked through the cross. Right. We're going to endure some of that hatred because they hated him. But don't give up. And I think this is one of my... Um, Favorite verses in the Bible. Like, sincerely, every time I read it, I always love this verse because it feels like something you say to the team at halftime. Verse 39. 39, okay, go. Hey, guys, we are not those, and gals, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and and, uh, preserve preserve their souls. I just love, we're not the people who shrink back. Mm -hmm. We're the people of faith. Everyone else is the one who gets a new idea and runs with it. No, this way. No, that way. Uh, uh, we hate you now. We mm-hmm. like you now. We hate mm-hmm. me now. Oh, no. No, we aren't those people. Right. We don't shrink back. And we trust and we live by faith. And I just love that because right. it's like he already lists out, we have a great reward. We have confidence. We have a soldier and a warrior and a savior who's gone before us. And we are the people who endure. So mm-hmm. don't shrink back. And now I'm going to list for you, again, the pep talk continues. Yes, in with 11. The hall of faith is what yes. they call it. So Hebrews 11. And I know uh, we'll, we'll finish this on the next episode. But I just had check marks. I was like, he goes, look, here's what faith is. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. So, and he goes on to say, this is how you receive the inheritance of God in the future, but how you receive it right now. So even though some people hoped, mm-hmm. they never saw it. Right. But they were saved and they engaged God in the process. So they were they were receiving the inheritance of restoring that relationship with God and his people. Right. Because that was broken. And with the earth, because that was broken. And yeah. it begins to be repaired now. And so this comes by faith. So do you believe in creation? Check. That's faith. Because, I mean, there's a creation thing, right? Right. Yeah. So I was... As I was reading it, I was going through and focusing on like, oh man, these are like check marks of relationship. Yes. And so like you have, you start off with Abel and you, and. We start with creation. We understand the universe was created by the word of God. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're a person of faith. faith. Sorry, we can work out the evolution thing, but you at least got to believe there's a creator, a creative designer. It started off with the word of God. That's faith. Yes. Um, Check. And and then it's uh, Abel offered up a, a more acceptable sacrifice, but the idea that Abel heard 
what God wanted. Right. And then just offered what God wanted. Because he said, this thing's about blood and death now, so it's not good enough to give me the harvest of fruits and vegetables. Right. And so the idea of, he just heard what God wanted and responded to it. Right. Then uh, you have Enoch, Enoch, who the Lord takes up, and that's, and you read him, and he's like a quick little blip in Genesis and like the genealogy. But the idea was he walked with the Lord. Right. He had a constant relationship with God to the point that God's like, you're just going to be with me now. I, we're together. And then uh, uh, we have Noah after that. And again, it's just this idea that he heard God and trusted that this thing called rain was going to happen and built a boat in the middle of nowhere. Faith. Faith. He just did the thing that God told him to do. Maybe we'll break into this a little more the next episode. Yeah. We'll unpack it a little more, because I think we'll have to finish the Hall of Faith. Mm -hmm. But what's astonishing is, like, even packed in, though, there's, like, um, by faith, he pleased God. He believed that you could please God. Like, it takes faith to believe we can have peace and please Mm God. We, it takes faith to believe that God exists. It takes faith to believe that you're going to have a baby when you're barren and 90 years old. Like, and it takes faith to believe that God is preparing a better land. Mm-hmm. It takes faith for us to believe that God's preparing a place for us right now. All right. But today, it's good enough to say, you got to have faith, faith, faith. So faith is believing that God's word is true. And uh, we believe it. That's why we're giving 2018 to him. Fed by ravens. Oh, yeah. Look at that. All right. Hang in there, everybody. Um, We are not those who shrink back. Boom. Our psalm for today is Psalm chapter 123. To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant, to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time. I missed that note, but you know what? We're all good friends now, so it's good. Have a great day.